But the truth is, is that a vast majority of the people that we interact with on a daily basis um, are seeking after some, some sort of stardom, some sort of uh, achievement, something that will make their lives worthwhile, something that will make them feel valuable. And so today we're going to look at that and say, what, what makes someone a superstar truly? What makes a, a life that is well-lived, a life that is worthwhile? And so when I was in college, I was at Liberty University, and I was on the scout team for the football team. I was a scout team running back. And uh, I remember one season, we had a, a young man from another college transfer to our college, and he was kind of a big deal. He was a big guy. He was about six foot four, 250 pounds. And on scout team, my job was to pretend to be the player that they were going to go against that week in the game. And so my responsibility that week was I was put on the very end of the offensive line and I was supposed to block the outside linebacker, the six foot four, 250 pound guy that was unbelievable. And so what you do in practice is the, the coaches line you up and then they're going to tell you, they go through all the things they want you to know that you need to do. And so they line me up and I'm, he's about a foot taller than me. And I remember he was looking down at me and he was saying, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> and then he used a lot of inappropriate language and I was very upset. I was actually, I was shocked that he would use this kind of language because it turned out that the same guy was in one of my pastor classes because he was training to be a pastor and we were in pastoral studies and he didn't recognize me because when you're in your, your uniform, you have your helmet on, you don't always recognize that person from, from your classes. And I actually only sat about two, two chairs away from him in the class and I was like, wow, this is really weird that he's acting like this. And so I said to him, hey, did you finish that assignment in our pastoral studies class? <laughs> And he completely changed. He was a different person altogether. But you know, in life, that's kind of what happens, right? We kind of play characters, and we feel like for us to be successful or us to be super in our lives, whatever that is for you, you feel like you have to live up to something like that. I ended up playing with some great people and getting to know some great people. Actually, uh, you may have heard of, you may not have heard of, a, a young man named Sam Quangato. I played with him at Liberty. He went on to play for the Green Bay Packers. He played with Brett Favre. He scored touchdowns and played well in playoff games. And yet, knowing him, he was a humble guy, and he loved Jesus. And today, he works in ministry, sharing the good news of Christ. And you wouldn't even know it if you met him that he was so successful in football. Because in the end, when it's all said and done, it is not the achievement that the world looks at and says is successful is what really matters. It's your relationship to God. And so as we look to his word, you didn't come to hear my stories. You came to hear from God. So let's go to his word and see what he has to say to us this morning about this concept of living a successful life. So let's pray and ask him to speak to us. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your grace. Thank you that you have shown us what is right. You've shown us the way to go. And we don't have to live in mystery. We don't have to live in wonder, but we can know for certain. And so we've gathered here this morning to worship you through singing. We've gathered here this morning to give of ourselves to you. And we've gathered here this morning to hear your words. And so speak to us. Speak to our souls. Speak to our minds. 
And Lord, help us to be encouraged about what you have for us. Help us to be challenged to grow and mature to what you want us to be. Lord, I pray that you would anoint these words as we we read them. We know they're directly from you. We pray, Lord, that they would inspire us and challenge us to growth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning we'll we'll be looking in Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we'll be starting in verse 1. uh, And this is what God has to say about this issue of what it means to be a successful human being. What does it mean to be a success in this life according to God and according to his scripture? And so we're going to start in Hebrews 11, verse 1. It says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance in what we do not see. This is what ancients were commended for. By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. And so it begins with our faith of understanding that God is the creator. God has created all things, and he did not do it by mistake. He did not do it haphazardly. He created everything intentionally for his glory. And so for us to begin to look at what does it mean to have a successful life, it starts with what I believe about where I came from, why I'm here, and where I'm yet to go. What do you believe about life? Where are you placing your faith today? Right here, the faith that God created you. Do you truly believe that you're valuable? Do you truly believe that God created you on purpose? That you are not a mistake? Do you truly believe the unseen God had a plan when he created you and put you on planet earth? That is the starting point where our faith begins. Then we continue in verse 4. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering. And by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. And so here we go back to the very first story of the initial murder, the first murder that we know about. And here Cain, he thought he was a superstar. He thought he was successful. He, had, he was the farmer of farmers. He was the greatest farmer on the planet. And he took his top 10% of his crop and he gave it to God and he gave it as a sacrifice. And yet God rejected his offering. Why? Why did God reject Cain's offering? Because God had a greater plan. God didn't want the offering for the sake of the offering. God wanted the offering for his glory. And his glory would be brought about because Abel gave him a lamb sacrifice. A sacrifice of blood. A sacrifice representing Jesus who would come and save us from our sins. God was so impressed with Abel's sacrifice because it was built in faith beyond his time. It was built in something he could not even know about completely. A faith of God redeeming us and bringing back us into perfect relationship with himself. His faith was beyond what he could see or know because his faith was in the one you cannot see. His faith was strong and it is recorded here in Hebrews. Verse 5, by faith Enoch was taken from his life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. This morning, you are here in a sense to earnestly seek God. And as we have Bibles, like we've never had the ability to seek God like we have today. Do you recognize that? 
We have never in the history of the world been able to know so much about who we are, why we're here, and where we're going. We have technology. We have every translation. We, have the, we can uh, look at a translation from the exact Hebrew into English, and we can look at all of the, all the context, all the depth of that today like never before. Even if you went back 50 to 100 years, they had nowhere near the accessibility we have to Scripture. And it says that you cannot please God. You cannot please God without faith. And faith is seeking after God. And it is wonderful that we are here this morning. It is wonderful that we are gathering here to worship God. But you know what's even greater is when we get up tomorrow morning and we seek after God. And we get up Tuesday morning and Wednesday morning. And throughout the day, we begin to seek after him with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. That when we are faithfully seeking after God with our lives, we will find him. That's what he's looking for. This, the, the life that is well lived. The life, I know superstar seems like there's a bad connotation with it. I mean, most of us would say we don't want to be superstars. But most of us would say we want to have successful lives. We want to have lives that have meaning and value and purpose. We want to have a life that makes a difference. We want to have done better to this world than worse. And the answer to that, the answer to that is our faith in Christ, our faith in the Lord. And, and that answer is a daily answer. It's a daily seeking after the Lord. It's getting up and living out each day focused on him and asking him to lead us and to guide us. Verse 7, by faith, Noah, when warned about things not seen, in holy fear built an ark to, to save his family. By his faith, he, commend, he condemned the world and became heirs of righteousness. That is in keeping with faith. You know, when Noah's building this ark, he's about 100 years old. He's collecting these animals from all over the earth. And here, it had never flooded that we know of. The Bible talks about not even really raining, that there seemed to be some sort of mist at this time on planet earth. And yet, here he does something that he's ridiculed for. And as you read scripture, the superstars of the Bible, the ones that we read about and know about, the ones you were taught about as a child, most likely, the majority of them were ridiculed as fools and ignorant and, and how could you be building a boat in the middle of nowhere for no reason? You fool. What are you getting all these animals for? How foolish could you be? And yet Noah stuck to his faith. His faith was strong. His faith was committed. His faith persevered. It didn't matter if everyone he knew thought he was a fool. It didn't matter if everyone he knew looked at him and said, how could you believe such rubbish? Right? And yet he was faithful. He was faithful. And because of his faith, not only did it benefit him, it benefited his family. Verse 8, by faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive an inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in the tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him for the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. 
Do you realize, and you may not know this, but if you study this, if you dive into scripture and you learn about the Bible, it is overwhelming what's happening here. Here, Abram, that was his initial name. He was in his late 70s, and he's in this city called Ur, which was the metropolis of his time. It was the New York City of its time. It had more luxury there than anywhere else on the earth. And God calls him out of that place to go live in the desert, in a tent, in a tent, what if today, while, we're, while I'm speaking, the Spirit of the Lord speaks to you and says, I want you to move your family into the desert and live in a tent. What are you going to do? I think that was the pizza speaking, right? I think that was a hallucinate. That can't be really what God wants me to do. But that's what Abraham heard from God. And because, not because Abraham was a great person, not because he was so smart, not because he could throw touchdown passes, not because everybody knew who he was, not because he had money and wealth and power, did God look at him and say, you are right with me. It was because he had faith. Not in himself, but then when God told him to do something and he was obedient in doing it, that God would be faithful to him. You see, that's how it works. When you're faithful to God, God is faithful to you. But it's scary, right? It's scary when you put it out on the line and say, well, what if, what if, what if, what if, what if? What if things don't work out? What if it doesn't happen the way I think it should happen? We have all these what ifs that keep us from faithfully walking where God wants us to walk and doing what God wants us to do. But he's telling us, This is how you have a successful life. This is how you have a life that matters. This is how you have a life that I created you to have. Talks about his wife, Sarah, and by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who made the promise. And so from him, this one man, And he, as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and countless as the sea, sand on the seashores. Which is interesting about this. If you know the story, she laughs initially. Sometimes you hear from God and you laugh. There is no way God wants me to do that. There is no way I'm going to do that. But then God persists and he says, no, this is what I want you to do. This is what I'm calling you to do. This is what I'm calling to you in your life. Some of you don't believe God can heal an addiction. Some of you don't believe there are people in your life that God can radically change their lives, radically change their marriages, radically change their job situation, radically change everything in their life, not for their glory, not for their wisdom, not for them, but for his glory. He can do it. But we have to have faith. Faith, walking by faith. Here's the amazing point. The the author of Hebrews brings us to this place. Verse 13, it says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. If you go through it from from, uh, Cain and Abel, And you go through Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses. Do you know none of them entered the promised land? None of them saw the fulfillment of the promise that God had given? You are a link on a chain of faith. Do you want to be the last link? 
We are a church. You are an individual. We are all a link on a chain of faith that has come to us. Do we want to be the last link on that chain? Do you want to be the last link of faith on your chain? Or do you want to pass it on and look forward to a chain that continues on? A chain that goes on past your life. Faith that goes on past your time. Are you building your life to pass it on to the person that comes after you? Are you establishing things so that when you are gone, who comes behind you will will inherit something that is faithful and true? It concludes with this. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. The challenge we have this morning, the challenge we have, and I don't know if this is true of everyone in this room, it's true of me and and probably many of you. When you were young, you were told, if you believe you can do it, you can do it. If you just believe in yourself, Just put your faith in yourself. If you just believe in yourself, whatever you believe you can achieve, right? That's what we heard. Unfortunately, that's a lie. There's a lot of things I believed I could do that I can't do. I was unable to achieve. There's a lot of things that you thought you could do that you did not achieve. Believing in yourself is not enough. We were told a lie. There's only one place that you can put your faith that will make a true difference. It's not about faith in yourself. It's about faith in Christ. You know why? Because Christ has already won. He's already won. He's already paid your sin. He's already prepared a place for you. He's already speaking into your life. You know, the words of man cannot penetrate your heart or your soul. Only the Holy Spirit of God can speak to you directly in your spirit. And right now, he may be speaking to you. He may be speaking to you in love and patience, saying, I have always been here. I will always be here. I love you. I want to be part of your life. But I need you to stop putting all your faith in yourself and start putting your faith in me. Because it's not about what you can win. It's not what about you can do. It's already been done. It's about stepping into that, trusting it, putting all of your faith in the one who says he's worthy of carrying all of it. Have you ever done that in your life? Have you ever made that commitment? Have you ever put your full faith? Because let's be honest, what are our options? You want to put your full faith in this government? You want to put your full faith in the economy? You want to put your full faith in your job, your retirement plan? You want to put your full faith in your medicine? Where are the other options? What are all the other things telling us? Put your faith in what? Amen. Preach it. (laughs) Put your faith in Christ because he's already won. And that is the superstar. That is the life well lived. That is the life we are created for. That 
is what matters the most. Not winning a Super Bowl, not being famous, not having an accumulation of things, but dying a faithful life and living a faithful life. So I'm going to tell you something. What I'm about to share with you is a very dangerous thing to do. I want to warn you. It's extremely dangerous. If you're serious this morning, if you're serious, you can ask God for great faith. But asking God for great faith is one of the most dangerous things you can do in life. You know why? Because he'll do it. He will do whatever it takes to help you find some great faith. You know, when the dentist looks in your mouth and has to fix your teeth, he doesn't necessarily do what you think he should do. (laughs) He doesn't just focus on the one bad tooth, does he? He has a bad habit of checking the rest of your mouth out. Do you know that's what God does when you ask for great faith? He's not going to come down and give you some great faith in one area. No, he's going into those rooms you've kept closed from him for a long time. He's going he's to open those doors. And he's going to go in and he's going to say, look, I need you to have great faith in here too. All those places that we said, no, you cannot come. No, this is mine. I own it. This is where I put my faith in myself here. You know, he says, I got to go in there too. And so that's the beginning. Really, it's, it's not about good or bad things that you do in your life. It's not about what you've achieved in a world standard. It's are you willing to ask God to come in and give you great faith? Are you opening every heart, every part of your heart to him? Are you saying, I am free. I am open. Please come search me. Try me. See if there's anything in me that I need greater faith in. And then once he does that, not just knowing about it, but living that great faith, living that great faith, that's the next step. And I think this is powerful, this next, this next application, because this is what Hebrews 11 has done. Hebrews was written to the Hebrews. It was written to those that are Jews that became Christians, and they were placing these people, the people we read about, and then there's a longer list that continues. It was saying these people are what we need to look at because it's not about them. It's about what God has done through them, and we want to celebrate that. We want to celebrate the great